0: sometimes take sports way too seriously coach isn't here this week so it's just the ice man but we're going to get into that and a little bit more this week on Iceman and Coach What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Iceman and Coach Sports Show. As always, this is your host, Matt Freights. I am the Iceman. The coach is not here this week, so we're going to throw it back and give you an old school monologue episode. As you know, every single Friday, we've been busy doing College Kickoff Eve. We've been having a blast doing it. And the last couple of weeks, we've been very, very fortunate to have some good friends of ours, Cleveland and Dave from Political Football. Step in for the coaches. He has been away tending to some family stuff. Everything is okay. He's just got some things going on and that's kind of the way that life works. We all have things going on and we're doing the best that we can to give you the content every single week. So I thank you for sticking with us and I appreciate everybody who listens to the show and who sticks with everything that INC Sports has to offer. The last couple of weeks, Cleve and Dave and I have talked about college football, we've talked about the NFL, and while they have an NFL-specific show, I thought we should start off this particular episode with some NFL talk, because the NFL season is four games in the books. It's been a pretty interesting season, no doubt. It's always great to have NFL action on, it's always great to have Red Zone on, and I have been intrigued by some of the great stories that are happening in the NFL as we speak, and I want to get into a couple of those. As a matter of fact, I'm going to give you five stories that I think are great, and we're going to start with number five, and that is the Miami Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins, to me, are the team of the year right now. I think that for the most part, they are an endearing team. Many people like them. Of course, if you are a rival of theirs, like a Patriots fan, you'd think that I wouldn't be one of those people, but it is what it is. You have to understand what they're doing is great. They are revolutionizing the sport in many ways offensively, and they have been a joy to watch. I think that playing throughout the first three games, they look like they were genuinely having fun. And while the result of they had this past weekend against the Buffalo Bills wasn't that great. And we'll get into that a little bit more in depth when the coach comes back. I think that they have a lot of upside. Their coach seems to be very likable. He seems to be having fun out there. Tua is a very likable guy. And this team has a very, very high ceiling. They have a lot of talent. The only thing that I hope for is that they continue to stay healthy and they continue to play really well because I think once they get into the playoffs, assuming that they make it there, they're going to be a very tough out and they're going to be a very fun watch in the playoffs. And honestly, as somebody who just loves watching NFL football, especially the playoffs, you just want teams that are in there that are going to give you a good time and a good viewing experience. Like. The Tennessee Titans don't need to be in this game whatsoever. They don't need to be in the playoffs. I find them boring, but I don't find the Miami Dolphins boring, and I think that their story has been a lot of fun. So that's one of the stories that has really piqued my interest over the last few games. Another story that piques my interest is the success of C.J. Stroud. Now, C.J. Stroud got drafted to the Houston Texans, who really, let's be honest, have been a laughingstock of an organization for quite a while. And C.J. Stroud coming in, the only hope, was not necessarily whether he'd be good, it was whether he would stay healthy, whether he was going to be able to stay healthy, taking a lot of hits over the course of the season, quarterbacking a bad team. And I'll tell you what, folks, through four games, he has looked really, really good. He has that team at two and two. He seems to be elevating the talent around him. And the Houston Texans slowly but surely are becoming sort of a very likable team, almost like that underdog that you like to root for. I don't know how long this is gonna last, but Miko Ryans obviously is doing a great job his first year as head coach of the Texans, he's got Stroud really thriving. And I wonder if it speaks more about Stroud's ability to lead a team that is very, very young and as a young person himself in being so successful thus far. And they haven't exactly just been beating up on bad teams. They took the Jaguars to the woodshed. And this is a team that many people, including myself, thought was going to win the AFC South. And so I think that it's a great story. I think that he has a lot of potential, a lot of upside, and he seems to be sort of breaking the mold as it relates to Ohio State quarterbacks in the league. The number three story that really, really makes me smile is seeing the success of Baker Mayfield, or actually what I should say is the resurgence of Baker Mayfield. Now, it's not a guarantee that he's going to continue on this road, but he has had quite the rough road the last few years. He's been on four teams since the start of the 2022 season, and honestly, it's been a road. Many people, myself included, kind of thought that he was done. That maybe he couldn't play quarterback in this league because he was on some talented Browns teams. Although those teams got really, really far in the playoffs. And they gave the Kansas City Chiefs all that they could handle in the playoffs. And I think we all thought that that was going to extrapolate and continue the momentum on to future seasons. And it just didn't work out. And his tenure with the Browns ended very disappointingly considering he was taken as the first overall pick. And so he goes to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who are moving on from Tom Brady. They still have Mike Evans. They still have remnants of that Super Bowl team from 2020. But I think most people thought organizationally that they were going to be moving on and trying to rebuild. And he has this team three and one. And he's doing so in a way that isn't flashy, it isn't crazy, he's not putting up eye-popping numbers, but he's putting up just enough of the good numbers to win, and that's remarkable. I love Baker, I think that he has a great attitude. Obviously at times when you're like him, and you maybe are a little bit cocky, sometimes when you don't deliver, that shtick becomes old, but overall I think Baker really cares. And I'm not sure in the NFL how many players deeply care the way that Baker Mayfield does. He's a competitor. Now there's a lot of competitors in the NFL, but he definitely embodies the idea of a competitor. And I like seeing him be successful. I think the Tampa Bay Bucks, maybe as an organization, while they're happy they're three and one, they probably also know that they're not going to be a Super Bowl contender and they wanted to be a little bit better off in the draft come April. So we'll see how the rest of the season goes. We'll see if Baker becomes a trade chip, maybe for the New York Jets. But for right now, it's It's a great story. The fourth story that I want to talk about, and there's five that I'm going to give you, but this one is a really, really great story, but it just isn't good enough to trump my number one story, and that is the success, the emergence of Rams receiver Puka Nakua, and really, by extension, the comeback of Matt Stafford. Now, the Rams coming into the season were one of the most confusing teams on paper. Admittedly, I did not know what to think of them. They were a very young team. They didn't have a lot of people left from that Super Bowl winning team, but they had Matt Stafford at quarterback, who I think a lot of people thought that maybe that elbow injury was going to be career-threatening. It didn't seem to be, and he's back this season, and in week one, Puka Nakua emerged, and we all thought, yeah, that won't last. Because how many people who have fantasy teams after week one, you see one guy who does really, really well, you go pick him up on the waiver wire, and boom, he's a bust for the rest of the year. I think many people thought that was going to happen with Nakua, and it just hasn't come to fruition. He's getting targets, Matt Stafford is finding him, and he is putting up gaudy numbers. And it's amazing, in my opinion. I think it's a great story. Again, seems like a very likable kid. Matt Stafford seems to be elevating him, he seems to be meshing well with with a lot of these young receivers. And even though they are two and two, they've played way better than I think a lot of people thought that they would. And this kid, Puka Nakua, is definitely one of the brightest stars on this team. And they have something to build around. And when Cooper Cup comes back, who knows? Imagine what kind of production Matt Stafford could be putting up if he has those two guys to be able to do what they have done in their careers and through four games this season. But I have to tell you, the best story so far in the NFL is the Detroit Lions. And you might laugh at that. But let me give you a little bit of context. I used to be on a show called Political Football. Now, you can check them out, of course, on YouTube. They're a live stream. And Cleveland Dave obviously were here before. But Dave is a Lions fan. And for the majority of his lifetime, the Detroit Lions have been bad. Actually, for a majority of their existence as a franchise, they have been bad. The numbers don't lie. It's an undisputable fact that the Detroit Lions have wasted more talent than many teams have had in the entirety of their franchise. They have a losing record. They've never won a Super Bowl. Now they won championships before the Super Bowl era, but they haven't really done anything of substance really ever as a franchise. And you can name off guys like Barry Sanders and Herman Moore and Matt Stafford. A lot of these guys, Calvin Johnson, a lot of these guys played for the Detroit Lions and never won anything. Calvin Johnson retired. Matt Stafford had to leave and go to Los Angeles in order to get his Super Bowl. And so the Detroit Lions have really been a laughingstock, almost like a guaranteed win. And this year, they are seeing a lot of the things that Dan Campbell has been building coming to fruition. And they're 3-1, folks. And they just went to Lambeau Field and kicked the absolute snot out of the Green Bay Packers. Now, an Aaron Rodgers Green Bay Packer team, but still... This is a rival that they've never really been able to beat, and to go on the road and get that kind of a definitive win, they have been playing amazing this season, and if not for that loss against the Seahawks in which Dan Campbell kind of mismanaged the game at the end, they could be one of the last remaining undefeated teams. Dan Campbell is very likable. He has a very blue-collar mentality, whatever that means, but the team seems to be responding. Jared Goff, who was left for dead when he got traded to Detroit, he's playing extremely well. The team is playing extremely well, and I think they have a lot of upside. Watch out. If they get into the playoffs, they could be one of those teams that is in the NFC Championship game before you know it, because I think they have that kind of a ceiling, and I think that they just believe. Can they keep it up through the whole season? We will see. But through four games, that is definitely one of the best stories in the short NFL season so far. I want to switch topics now, and I want to talk about professional golf for a minute. Now, this is a very, very short topic, but the Ryder Cup recently took place over this past weekend. For those of you who are not familiar, the Ryder Cup is an Americans versus Europeans golf tournament in which you have to be selected on a very, very specific team, and it's a different style of tournament than you normally see in professional golf in the PGA. It used to mean a lot to people who watch golf, myself included. It's only every other year, and it mattered who made the team. It mattered if the Americans could win. It mattered when the Americans were getting blown out every single time by the Europeans. But over the last few cycles, I don't think we've seen a lot of coverage of it because I think that the world is just changing. I mean, it's happening during NFL season, so the NFL is always going to trump that. But over this past weekend, the play on the golf course is not what actually made headlines. Now, the Europeans came out to a huge lead after day one. They ended up holding on and beating the Americans. It really wasn't that close. But on day two on Saturday is when most of the headlines were made. From what I understand, Rory McIlroy was seen having a confrontation. Actually, he was screaming at somebody after the match had completed. Now, this was in the parking lot somewhere. And the entirety of the situation was because one of the American golfers, Patrick Cantlay, who's a really, really great golfer in his own right, was having some type of an issue with wearing a USA hat. And I think it came down to sponsorships and how much he was getting paid for it. Actually, I think it was because he wasn't getting paid for it. You know how it is today. These golfers are just sponsored out the ass. They get a lot of money from different sponsors. They're constantly wearing shirts, hats, everything. And so Patrick Cantlay, obviously, I I don't know if it was necessarily Patrick Cantlay himself, but I do wonder if it maybe was people in his camp, maybe his agent was like, hey, we're not getting compensated for this. And from what I understand, and from what everything in the news has told us, is that there was some type of internal strife between the American team. And maybe that had something to do with how crappy that they played on Friday. I have no idea. What I know is that Roy McIlroy ended up being the center of attention because of all of this controversy, because Patrick Cantlay, who was seen as sort of a malcontent for this specific tournament alone, this is not something that I've heard about Patrick Cantlay outside of that. And the USA team, after Patrick Cantlay made three birdies in a row to essentially win the match for his team, Team USA essentially sat there and waved all of their caps, I have to assume in some type of a mocking way. And Roy McIlroy was set to make a putt, And caddy Joe LaCava was standing in his putting line. Now, you know that this is against etiquette and protocol on the golf course. I'm somebody who's very, very big, even though I'm not a good golfer. I'm very, very big on golf etiquette. And he asked very nicely for Joe LaCava to move out of his line. And Joe LaCava, who was one of the people who was also waving his hat, again, mocking this entire situation, and I assume the coverage of it, would not move and was saying something to Roy McIlroy. And this is what really pissed off Rory after the match was over. I just want to say this. I can understand both sides of this whole thing. I can understand Patrick Cantlay wanting to be compensated for a sponsor that maybe was supposed to owe him something or something like that. But really, at the end of the day, whether you have a sponsor or not, wearing a hat that is representative of your country, the Ryder Cup is you playing for your country, playing for the United States. I know that maybe to a lot of people that doesn't mean anything, but it still means something to me. When you have your colors on, it means more than any tournament that you play. And so, in my mind, you put all of those other things aside, all of those business ventures aside, and you wear the damn USA hat because you have been chosen. Maybe you played good enough golf to be selected on merit, and that's fine. But my point is, you have been a selected representative for the game of golf, for the United States of America, and you should take that a little bit more seriously. For the caddies part, you should know better. You're a caddy. I understand that you want to bring the team together or be a part of a movement that brings the team together by staging this type of mocking, I don't even know what to call it, just a mocking celebration, basically mocking everybody that said that this hat thing was an issue. But in doing so, You went against golf etiquette, and especially in a tournament of this magnitude with a golfer who has been nothing but supportive of the PGA throughout this entire live thing. Roy McIlroy seems like a good guy. He seems like one of the best guys in the clubhouse. You never really hear about him and anybody else, or at least you haven't openly. And so to me, this was a little bit Bush League on Joe LaCava's part. The USA team can do whatever they want off the green after the match is over. But in terms of sitting in his putting line and him asking you to move, just move. That's how the game of golf works. And honestly, I think that you should know a little bit better. For Rory's side of this, I think he obviously regrets what he did. I'm sure he regrets being taped, but I don't think he regrets his feelings about the matter. I think that he, like me, really feels that the game of golf should be held sacred, that these rules of etiquette should be held sacred, and he didn't feel like that was happening in the moment. Even if he was losing, it doesn't matter. You should always keep decorum. you should always have respect for your opponent, and I just don't think that he felt that way. I just think that maybe he regretted the way that he did it, but haven't we all done something like that in life? There's just no way that you can look back in your life and think, yep, I did everything perfectly. So this whole situation was kind of overblown, but I think it was worth talking about because some of the parties they honestly just need to grow up and at this point i'm not sure why i have to tell you that you should just already know before we move on to the next set of topics Let's hear from our sponsor, New Era Caps. All right, so now that we've heard from our sponsor, I want to get into a topic that we only really talk about when I'm alone, and that is professional wrestling. And this has to do with the news over the weekend that AEW, which is one of the two big promotions out there, there's WWE and there's AEW. AEW landed what I would consider one of their best pickups in the time that they have been on TV And that was Edge, or Adam Copeland is his name. Now, Edge, of course, has been or had been with WWE for 25 years, is responsible for some of the best WWE memories over the last 15 or so years. He's a great wrestler. He's been loyal to the company. He lost a lot of his career due to a neck injury, was able to come back. WWE brought him back and put him in a lot of main event matches or a lot of big time matches. And they treated him, in my opinion, like the superstar that he is. And at the end of his contract, he realized that creatively, WWE didn't really have anything for him anymore. He's coming up to 50 years old. He has to be careful, obviously, with his neck history. But in looking at the landscape of wrestling and looking at his life, he still felt that he had more to offer. And that's why he debuted on AEW this past weekend. This really isn't news in the sports world because, quite honestly, Edge can do whatever he want when it comes to his employment. And as a matter of fact, I encourage everybody for that sentiment. You should always do what is best for you because you're the only person who's going to look out for yourself. You always have to look out for number one. And so Edge decided, hey, I'm going to do what's best for me. And I think there's nothing wrong with that. The issue that I have is that the vitriol online about him being a trader and him letting down WWE by switching companies. Edge can do whatever he wants. This is professional wrestling. I understand that as professional wrestling fans, or just fans of teams in general, I think sometimes we feel like we are owed something from the people on the court, on the field, or in the ring. And Edge doesn't owe us anything. What Edge owes himself and his family is to do what he wants to make himself happy that's going to put them in the best position to succeed. That's the only thing that he really has to worry about and should worry about. If you yourself are so fixated on the fact that he is no longer with WWE, then I think that you need to go back and decide or relook at how you watch professional wrestling. It's professional wrestling, folks. This is not something that's that serious. It's entertainment. That's all that it is. And that's the way that we should treat it. And I'm excited to see what Edge does with the rest of his life. Do I care if he becomes a world champion? No. Do I care that he didn't become a world champion in WWE? No. In today's wrestling world, though, we know far too much. We have too much insight, we know way too much about the rumors, and I think that it kind of, it makes it harder for us to suspend disbelief, and that's what makes wrestling so great, is that we can suspend disbelief. But unfortunately, in this case, we just know so much, and people, I think, are more emboldened because of social media, because they feel that they should have an opinion about something. Can you have an opinion? Yeah, sure, go ahead, I don't care. But you shouldn't always necessarily be outward about your opinion. If you're disappointed, fine. But to see some of the things that people have said to him, to see some of the things that people have said to his wife on Twitter and on other social media accounts, it's ridiculous, folks. They're just acronyms. They're just wrestling companies. There's nothing that makes them exclusive to one another. It just is. And guess what? Right now, you have two different promotions to watch. That's a great thing. It isn't something that we've had for quite a while. So just enjoy it. Enjoy it. Enjoy watching Edge wrestle Christian. Enjoy watching him encounter all these other young guys. That's the whole point of it. And it just, it's just not that serious, folks. And I just feel like there's so many people who are so married to these ideas that athletes have to do this certain thing to make them happy. They don't even know you exist. They don't owe you anything. And so just take it less seriously. Wish Edge the best of luck. Enjoy the product that he has to put on, or hell, just enjoy WWE if that's your thing. But just leave it alone, and don't necessarily feel like you have to go on social media to tell these people the way that you think that they should live their life, because they just do not owe it to you. And go back and figure out how to live your life, because that's the only thing that you should be worried about. I want to end this episode. Now, normally we would do stat of the week or something, and we're not going to do that. I want to end this episode talking about the Boston Red Sox. This past week has been a very difficult time for me as a Red Sox fan because two things have happened. The first thing is the retirement of Terry Francona, who has been the manager of the Cleveland Guardians for the last handful of years. He was the manager of the 2004 Red Sox team, also the 2007 Red Sox team. He managed the team for quite a while. But I will always know him as Tito and the manager of that 2004 team. And that 2004 Red Sox team is the greatest sports moment of my life because of so many factors that went into it, the familial aspect of it, breaking the curse, the way that it all happened, beating the Yankees down 3 There's so many things that happened in that postseason that just will always be memorable and indelible in my brain. And so I'm sad to see him retire because whenever a guy retires that you feel like you have a connection with, you feel like a part of that connection or a part of that memory is retiring with them. And retirement is one thing, but also in the news recently was the passing of former Red Sox pitcher Tim Wakefield. He was 57. He had brain cancer, which I'm not sure if I've talked about it on this platform. It's the same thing that my mom died of. And it's always tough to see that. It brings back some memories. But Tim Wakefield, by all accounts, was a great human being. He was a great teammate. He embodied everything that you think about when you think about a professional. And maybe that doesn't resonate with people today, but for me on that team and those teams, I should say. Tim Wakefield was a staple. He joined the team in 1995. I was 12 years old, and he stayed on the team until 2012. So I saw his entire Red Sox career. 176 wins, he retired with 200 wins total, which is amazing for a guy who threw a knuckleball. And I know he was around a long time, but still, to be around long enough to get 200 wins, throwing a knuckleball is amazing. I think the thing that people mostly forget about with him is how much he did in the community for Boston, how much he did for the Jimmy Fun, how much he did around the community, especially for kids. And that means a lot. I feel like a lot of athletes today don't take their platform seriously enough and that they don't use it for enough good. It doesn't take a whole lot to make one kid's day or to go visit a children's hospital where these kids are dying. You're making millions of dollars. I'm not saying that you should spend every waking moment trying to do things like that, but you have a platform. People look up to you, especially these kids. And I think Tim Wakefield took that very seriously. He took it seriously to wear the colors on the front of the jersey. And I know that I just talked about how if you're a fan of a team, they need to calm down. But there are a lot of people who have a healthy relationship and a healthy bond with their sports teams in their towns. And while Boston has a lot of issues with its fandom, I can tell you that as somebody who grew up in that area, having a healthy respect and a healthy relationship with that sports team is something that a lot of people share in that community. We shower praise on the players that treat that with respect. And Tim Wakefield, in my opinion, did that with the utmost respect for the fans. When I think about Tim Wakefield and I think about his legacy, I wonder what can be done to make sure that Tim Wakefield's legacy does not go unknown. Because I think when somebody passes away, especially in a sport like baseball where personalities are constantly churning through, I think that people's legacies can be forgotten. And I was thinking about it today, and I realized that what the Red Sox have to do is retire his number. His number was 49. You might think that's preposterous because retiring of numbers is usually reserved for somebody who's amazing. But I think when you're talking about what greatness is, you have to think about it in the context of the person. And I think in this particular instance, his greatness extended far beyond the field. He wasn't an excellent pitcher. He certainly wasn't the best Red Sox of all time. And when you think about the numbers that have been retired, most of them come with some semblance of accolades, whether it's World Series or statistics or what have you. But also... Many of the guys that have been retired and have their numbers up at Fenway Park also share the same connection with the fans. And I think that Tim Wakefield had that. And I think that it would be amazing to make sure that his family, the people that are surviving him, know how much he meant to the community, how much he meant to the organization, and for real not just because he won a World Series, but because of everything that he did to support the Red Sox, to support the city of Boston, and just to support humanity in and of itself. I think that's something that is forgotten. And so I'm sad this week because that Red Sox team is slowly fading from existence. But I'll tell you what, they won't fade from my brain. And it hit me Knowing that Tim Wakefield is no longer here, knowing how he died, and we're not even going to get into everything that happened with Curt Schilling because that's just, it's save it for another day. But rest in peace, Tim Wakefield. You will definitely be missed in the Red Sox organization. I know that many fans are going to think about you a lot, especially come October. This is that time of year where I always think about that playoff run. I wish your family the best, and I hope that your memory continues to be alive. And maybe one day when I go to Fenway Park, I'll see that number 49 up in the Raptors. So what was the big story for you on the sports weekend? If you want to get in touch with the show, Instagram, at IcemanandCoach. Facebook, INC Sports, TikTok, at INC Sports is the handle for that. If you want to find us on Twitter, at Iceman and Coach, we don't really go on there very often, but hey, you never know. We now have a Twitch channel, INC Sports. We're, of course, on YouTube, INC Sports. If you are watching on YouTube, don't forget to like and subscribe. If you're listening in the podcasting space, we love our audio listeners here. Make sure to hit follow, rate, review, whatever is applicable in the apps that you are using. And of course, please support the Maddie Ice Media Network for all the podcasts that we have. Don't forget, every single friday college kickoff eve this week it will be on wednesday because the coach and i have some scheduling conflicts but we're always happy to do it hope this finds everybody well i hope this finds everybody safe and hopefully the coach and i will see you next week this is iceman and Coach. and viewpoints expressed on inc sports are those of matt freights brad powell and their guests and not necessarily those of the matty ice media network inc sports is exclusively owned by matt freights and brad powell and is brought to you by the matty ice media network